Shalom, welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut. And today we're going to be moving on with our study of uh, Sefer Breshit. Uh, and we're already up to Perak Dalad, chapter 4, which means we're going to be talking today about the story of Cain and Hevel. Um, so let's begin with the Psukim. V'adam yada et chava ishto. This is a truly uh, beautiful pasuk um, where we say the word yada to know, the biblical know um, man knew chava or rather he was intimate with chava, his wife then she became pregnant and she gave birth to Cain Vatomer kaniti ish et Hashem. Literally, I have acquired a a man with Hashem. Or here, by the way, kaniti. If you want, uh, as we have later on, konesha ma'ivaretz. That God is described as konesha ma'ivaretz. He didn't buy ma'ivaretz. He created. So we'll have to say, Kaniti Ishet Hashem means I have created a man together with God. Um, what I find so beautiful about this is this woman who became pregnant, I don't know if she would have necessarily realized that her pregnancy was a result of the act of intimacy which took place many, many months before she actually understood that she was with child. And therefore, when she actually has this child, she looks at her partner even more than her husband as being HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And she calls him Cain in order to express this um, thanks to God, this amazing thanks. We're going to read through the Psukim now up to Pasuk uh, Dalad or Hey, and I want you to see how the verses go from Cain to Abel, Abel to Cain, Cain to Abel, Abel to Cain, A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A. This is a biblical style that um, you, well, we can discuss why it is. You could say it's simply stylistic and that uh, sort of you leave off from the last thing you discussed. The other option is that it's really trying to give a sense already of the rivalry between these two boys um, and and that's described by oscillating and flipping backwards and forwards between one and the other so I will I will read the psukim here and let's uh, take a look so let's reread the first pasuk she gave birth to Cain and she said I have created a child together with God and she continued to give birth to his brother to Hevel so that's the first the first comparison and now two Hevel became a shepherd but Cain was a, a tiller of the land or a worker of the land. In the end of, literally, yamim usually means in the Tanakh, the word yamim um, means a year. 
For example, later on in Breshit, we will have um, the the Eved Avraham who comes to take Rivka back to Avraham to Yitzchak, and they say, "Let our daughter stay Yamim or Asor. Um, let her stay." So, what is Yamim? Some days or ten? No, rather, usually there was a year before marriage. So, Yamim is usually a year, and in that context, it means let us stay a year or ten months. Here, Vayimihimi Kates Yamim means not just at the end of days or in the course of time, but rather at the end of the agricultural season. So, the kids have grown up and now they are working, as was described in Pasuk Bet. Vayimi Kates Yamim, at the end of the farming season. Kain brought from the fruits of the soil a gift for God, a sacrifice for God. Hevel brought him too from the uh, firstborn of his sheep and from the fat. And God paid attention to Hevel and his sacrifice. And to Cain and his sacrifice, he did not pay heed. He did not accept it. And Cain was very upset. And his face fell. Let's try and examine. And I think the, the outstanding question here is, why is it that God does not accept Cain's sacrifice and that he does accept Hevel's sacrifice? It seems so strange. Um, I will add to this that it seems like Cain, much like his mother, had a real strong sense of God. Notice that it is Cain who is the first one to decide to bring the sacrifice. Cain is the he follows his brother. I don't know how many of you are first-born children, how many of you are second-born children, but the second one always has an advantage. I'm a second-born, and you always have an advantage. You see your older sibling, and you see how they do things, how they went to school, and then you have an idea of how to go to school, how they did this, how they did that, and you follow suit. So Cain is the one who initiates Having said that, um, there are many, many approaches to how to look at Cain and Hevel in this story. Uh, I'm I'm going to present a few of them, but I'm actually going to reject them. But I, I'll start by presenting them. The first is is uh, to basically look at Cain in some way as a negative character and Hevel as a positive character. We'll start with Cain. His name, Cain, sounds from the word Kinyan, acquisition. And it seems like Cain is somebody who's very into his possessions. Uh, we see that later by his uh, rivalry and all of that. Um, let's say more than that. Um, Cain um, apparently doesn't want to bring the best fruits because what does he do? He brings me Priha Adama. Whereas Hevel brings, there are three phrases here, Mibachorot from the firstborn, of the Tzono, they're his sheep. Hevel, it, with Cain, it doesn't say, he brought me pre-admato, from his fruits. It says, mi pri adama objective, from the fruits of the ground. Hevel, hevi gamhu mi from the firstborn of his sheep, 
and from their fat. And this is where uh, there is a famous uh, Rashi based on the Midrash in, in, in Midrash Rabbah that he brought of the of the low level minhagarua of the most inferior produce. Whereas Hevel brought Bechorot, Tzono, Chelvehem, the firstborns, the fat, the best. And Hevel, um, if we know the word Hevel, Hevel means breath. Um, breath, um, maybe something spiritual. And therefore, we could argue that Cain is somebody who is possessive. Hevel is somebody more spiritual. I'll add, maybe you'll argue that Cain decides to be an Ovedanama to work the land, which we know God has cursed the land. And um, he's able, he chooses to to flaunt God's curse and still to work the land. Hevel particularly decides to um, keep away from the land and instead goes in the direction of livestock. And in this perspective, uh, we look at the verses and we come along and say, listen, well, Cain has got a lot problematic and Hevel is a much more positive character. Some people have taken this further, Rav Shimshon, Rav Hirsch and others uh, who want to basically claim that it is also their professions, their chosen professions, which make a major statement about what sort of person they are. So for example, Rav Shimshon, Rav Hirsch can say that there is something negative about uh, the worker on the land. The worker on the land comes to worship the forces of nature on whose influence the success of the fields he serves is visibly dependent. Agricultural peoples were the first to lose the pure consciousness of God and humanity. Their slavery and polytheism were first begotten. So apparently when we worship, when we are a farmer, we worship forces of nature and uh, this leads us to idolatry. Of course, tending for animals is, uh, we've seen many of our wonderful leaders, Abraham and Yaakov and Moshe, who are all shepherds. And shepherds give us a greater understanding, a greater sensitivity, caring. Once again, this is coming back to the fundamental understanding that um, that that Cain has chosen a, def- a, a, a negative path and Hevel is a more positive individual, either, again, by virtue of their personalities, we can identify it through their names, that's option one, uh, it's visible through the type of sacrifices they make, or because of the professions they have chosen. But I have to say that I am not convinced by any of these. I think that uh, both in terms of their professions, we can find uh, advantages both in the Whereas the farmer and the shepherd are clearly rivals, we can find advantages in each. It's not so clear that a uh, shepherd was always positive. Yitzchak Avinu, for example, was a farmer, a farmer in the Negev, and uh, not all farmers were bad. And I don't see any reason, especially if a farmer decides to bring sacrifices to God, that we need to look at him badly. This is uh, a great example of a farmer, the first far, the, the first uh, farmer in history who decides to actually sacrifice to God. I see Cain as pretty good. And as I've explained before, Kaniti Hashem means I have created a man with God. That is what um, that is what uh, Chavah says. Why do we need to necessarily look at this negatively? I don't see Cain as necessarily more possessive. So how are we going to go into this story? 
I will say one thing here. If you read the Psukim, you will notice that Hevel actually is the one who frequently is described as sort of in the shadows. Um, the the younger brother. When Cain is born, it says, Cain, Hashem. I have created a man with God. Cain gets what we call a Midrash shame. His name is explained and we understand why he is given that name, like many after him, like, I don't know, uh, Ishmael or Yitzchak. Ishmael, that uh, Hashem will listen to his voice, or that Yitzchak is on the laughter, Yaakov, because he's holding on to the heel, uh, Esav, Edom, uh, the, the names of the Shvatim. We understand why he is given the name Cain. Hevel, it doesn't even mention the pregnancy. Could it be that they're twins? Whichever way. Vatosef Laderet, she continued to give birth. The, the pregnancy is not mentioned. Et Achiv, Et Hevel. There's no explanation why his name is Hevel. I have to say I mentioned before that Hevel means a breath. And sometimes Hevel, we remember from Kohelet. Hevel Havalim, Hakol Havel. Uh, vanities of vanities, all is vanity. Hevel is something which is evanescent. It is, uh, it evaporates. In that case, we might actually say that Hevel is called Hevel because really that is what he does. He is here for a little while, but then he disappears. He's killed. That is his legacy. You'll, of course, say to me then, well, who would ever call their kid Hevel? It doesn't make any sense to call a child Hevel. And it could well be that uh, Hevel, um, when we know from the, I think, the, the Arabic, Habel, which he means, if I'm not mistaken, a sheep farmer. And it's a classic example where sometimes in Tanakh, different names can be used in different ways. For example, I'll give you just one example. Um, we have a case of somebody called Naval, and we say, Kishmo Kenhu. He's a Naval, he's a scoundrel, he's a terrible person. What do you think, his mother called him Naval, a horrible person? Probably his name was Nabil. Nabil meaning a noble, a nobleman. After he became so horrible, they called him Naval. Who knows what Hevel? Hevel maybe indeed meant uh, a sheep farmer, as it is in Arabic or some ancient dialect. But he's called Hevel because he was snuffed out. So how are we going to relate to this story? As I said, Cain is the one who is uh, raised with sort of a religious sentiment by his mother. And Hevel, a little bit of a footnote. Hevel becomes a Ro'itzon and Cain is an Oveda Dama. One is a shepherd, one is a farmer, which always means there is rivalry. The farmer wants more land, which is fielded off, which is cordoned off. The shepherd wants open land. It's a classic rivalry uh, all the way through history. And at the end of days, at the end of uh, a season, who is the first one to initiate the Korban? Cain. Cain initiates the Korban. Again, he's got a religious sensibility like his mother. He cares about God. And then Hevel brings his sacrifice and... And his sacrifice, Hevel, who came second, who got the idea from his brother, is accepted and not Cain's. God listens to Hevel and his sacrifice. And Cain and his sacrifice were not heeded to. And of course, what mean, What happens now? Af means anger. Vayichar means depression, upset. Cain is upset, Ma'od, he's exceedingly upset by Yiplupanav. 
his face falls. What does it mean, your face falls? Usually somebody hangs their head in shame. He's shamed. He's embarrassed. His little brother has beaten him. Now why didn't God accept his sacrifice? And here's the key to my explanation. I really don't know. I really don't know. Let's take a look at what God says to Cain and then we'll be able to analyze it. Why are you upset? Why are you ashamed? This, by the way, is one of the most difficult psukim to translate in Tanakh. I'll say it literally, if you are good or if you are better. Now, how do we understand the word se'it? I'm going to follow the Ibn Ezra where he says, in Tetiv, if you improve se'it, which literally means there is uplift, you can carry. Carry what? Ibn Ezra says, some people say you will carry your sin. But he says, most likely it means you simply you'll be able to lift up your face. In other words, Cain is saying, God is saying to Cain, in Tetiv, if you do better, se'it, you will be able to lift up your face. But if you're not better, sin crouches at the door. And you desire it. And you can control it. Let me just say as an aside, much of the language here is echoing chapter 3. The notion of Moshel, the notion of many, many different phrases here. Uh, and maybe we'll have time to come and relate to this in a few minutes. Um, what is happening in this story? Uh, what is God saying to Cain? Cain, God is saying to Cain, somehow, you can do better. Imtetiv, if you improve, it's eight. You'll hold up your head. In other words, whatever it was that God wanted from Cain, he says that he can do better. Uh, you might say it's not fair. Um, but let's continue in the Pasuk and I'll come back to that. But if you don't improve, sin crouches at the door. Sin crouches at the door and you are attracted to it, but you can control it. What is the sin at the door? The sin at the door is his anger. His anger at his brother. His sense that his sense of being a victim. He's furious with his brother because his brother has been accepted and he hasn't. And now I want to say something... You're going to say, but still, it's not fair. Why didn't God accept his sacrifice? And I'm going to say something which I think is very true about this story. Life is not always fair. Some people are born beautiful and some people less beautiful. Some people are born tall and some short. Some people are born with perfect bodies. Other people aren't that lucky. Everybody in the world has a reason to be angry with somebody else who has gone ahead. The question is, what do you do with it? You've got two options. Option one, halotim eight. Go improve. Go improve and go and do better. And then God says, you will hold up your head because you will be better than your brother. Maybe he means you need to do shuvah and bring more beautiful sacrifices. Maybe something else was happening here. The pasuk does not tell us what was wrong with Cain. It simply says, you can fulfill your potential better. But if you choose not to work on yourself, at the door is all your resentment. At your door is all your anger. 
at the door is all the things you're going to blame on the entire world. You can blame all the world for all your troubles. And you desire it so intensely. But you can be in control. This is such a critical pasuk where God is telling Cain that he can really control his emotions. But what does Cain decide to do? It says in the very next pasuk, and notice here I have to say, sevenfold in this chapter we will see the presentation of the word achiv. It comes in pasuk bet, but then another six times in the next few pasukim. Cain spoke to Hevel his brother. We don't know what they argued about or what happened, but he spoke to him. If I want to go literally with the pshat, I will say very simply, he said, let's go out to the field. He said to his brother, What is the Sadeh? The Sadeh is classically the place where nobody is there. In Sefer Devarim, when they talk about a rape, where the girl is screaming but nobody can hear, they say that it happens in the Sadeh. The Sadeh is out of the Yishuv, it's out of the civilized land, it's a place which is a, which is a no man's territory. So Kain spoke to Hevel, his brother, said to him, I don't know, I need some help. Come out to the field. Kain rose over Hevel, his brother, and killed him. This is a premeditated murder. Kain decides to totally ignore God's advice. By the way, before, God was trying to help Kain. First he said, Why are you so upset? And when Cain didn't say anything, God tried to offer some advice. Cain didn't want to take it. Exactly what God warned him about, he does. He takes all his anger and resentment against Cain, against Hevel, and kills him. This heinous crime, this first murder, is, if you want, the essence of every murder which comes afterwards. Once again, God simply asks the question, Where is Hevel, your brother? And now, once again, just like Chava before, How would I know? Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, if I want to put it in the most extreme way, shouldn't you, God, have been looking after him? It's all your fault, God. God, you accepted his sacrifice and you weren't watching him. And I got rid of him. And God says, Vayomer ma sita? What did you do? Kol elai min The voice of the blood of your brother are screaming to me from the soil. Of course, blood doesn't scream. This is obviously a metaphor. But this metaphor is such a powerful one that the blood screams out to God something we find later in the Torah as well this notion, the blood itself, again I want you to realise we've, we've had he's your brother, he's not just a person, he's your brother where is your sensitivity and now we see a repetition of what we saw with the curse to Adam now you will be cursed from the land which opened its mouth 
to take in the blood of Achicha, your brother, Miyadecha, Kita Avoretama, you will work the land. Lotosif Tekochalach, you won't stop putting your energy into it. Navanatiebaaretz, you will be a wanderer. The land will not even be able to hold you at all. What we've seen here in Bereshit already is that with Adam comes from Adama. His name is from Adama. His origin is Adama. And when Adam sins in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Chava, we said there that um, there Arurah Adama ba'avurecha bitzavon tochalecha kolimei chayecha. The soil will be um, cursed for you in bitterness. You will eat all the days of your land, your life, and it will produce thorns and thistles and weeds and whatever it might be. In other words. Man is alienated from his source. The gap between Adam and Adama grows. Now this takes a further stage where we are going to see the way that with Cain, once again, even more, the land is cursed all the more. And now, you'll be a wanderer. Chazal given Midrash that everywhere that Cain went, the land simply rattled and shook, it quaked. It wouldn't bear him. There is an estrangement between man and his origins, between man and the earth. Of course, by the way, this is going to continue even more later on when we're going to talk about uh, when God decides to destroy humanity with the with the flood. And we talk about Harvu Adama, or that... Uh, the man who I created will be wiped out from the land that there is going to be a constant connection and a growing estrangement as man sins more and more and becomes more and more grotesque the man is going to be estranged from the land and now Cain becomes a wanderer we're up to Pasuk Yudbet we're going to start Pasuk Yud Gimel Vayome Cain Hashem Gadol Avonim so. And here there are going to be two readings of this Pasuk. I'll read it the first way and in a minute we'll come back to the second. Gadol Avonim so. My sin is too great to bear. In other words, at this point, Cain, despite everything he's done, turns around to God and says, You can't punish me like this. You have now banished me from the face of the earth. And I'll have to hide from your presence. By the way, notice again the recalling of Adam and Chava hiding in the garden here also. I'll hide from your face. Anybody who finds me will kill me. I think to my mind this is evidence, let me just say as an aside, that uh, there were lots of other humans on the, on the on, in the world. Otherwise, what would it mean? Anybody who finds me will kill me. Who will kill me? Adam and Chava. Maybe he thinks an animal will kill him. Whichever way... If I'm a wanderer, if I don't have a fixed place, anybody will find me and kill me. Now, by the way, you could well argue, what sort of an argument is this? You killed. You should be killed. What did God say? Therefore, whoever kills Cain, says God, will be punished sevenfold. God gave Cain a sign so that nobody would kill him. By the way, this is different from how we colloquially talk about a mark of Cain. 
A mark of Cain in colloquial culture means that you're marked as a murderer with guilt. Here it's the opposite. Um, that he's marked in some way. Some people, there are all sorts of midrashic explanations so that everybody could identify him and know that they are not allowed to kill him. I love the different midrashic explanations here. Um, one midrash is that he had a horn. One is even, and this is a, a fabulous one, that God gave him a dog. God gave him a dog which would protect him when he was uh, worried that people would kill him. Um, and it says, Again, fabulous. Cain went out from God and lived in the land of Nod. He was told, You must wander. He doesn't actually wander. Instead, he lives in a land, Kidmat Eden. And soon we'll see that his son creates a city. What do you make of this God sort of protecting Cain? Why should Cain be protected? I mean, obviously, Cain did one of the most terrible things that could be. Why does God protect him? Some people see him as a Roter Peshogeg. Uh, that he was an accidental murderer because he didn't quite understand what it would happen. He didn't realize that the action he would do would actually kill him in a sort of final way. I've got to be honest, once again, I find this difficult to accept uh, because we know that uh, Hevel had slaughtered animals. And if he slaughtered animals, then they knew very well what would happen if you slit the throat of an animal or a human being for that matter. And therefore, it's, uh, there are actually two Midrashic opinions here. One is uh, Rabbi, in the Midrash, Rabbi Evu. His shield, Vayetze Kaim Elifnei Hashem. Kaim went out from God, Mehechan Yatsa. His shield, Varim Lachorav Yatsak Gonev Dat He deceived God. That Kain acted all sincere and contrite and fearful. But Cain was so evil, he was so ardent that he even tricked God, made out as if he was so uh, sincere and so worried and concerned. And in fact, he got God to give him a reprieve, even though he didn't deserve one. We'll come back to that next time. Um, however, there's another opinion um, in the Midrash, which is fabulous. Rabbi Hanina ben Yitzchak gives a different explanation and said, Yatzah Vayetze Kain came out from talking to God, Sameach, happy. Why? And um, here's how the Midrash goes. It says, Pagabo Adam Rishon. He met Adam. And Adam says, well, you were in the divine courtroom. What did God rule for you? And he says, I repented. And God uh, sort of uh, lowered my sentence. Adam says, Kachi shel tshuva. Wow, tshuva is so powerful, says Adam. Ani lo I wish I'd known about tshuva. If I'd known about tshuva, I could have stayed in the Garden of Eden. Oh, if only I'd known about tshuva. Amar Adam Rishon. Adam stood up and said, Mizmor shir liyom hashabbat. Which in this context means, Tov lahodot l'ashem, right? A song for liyom hashabbat, not the day of Sabbath, but rather liyom hashabbat, the day of return. This, if I come back to the phrase uh, here, it, where um, Cain turns around to God and he says, Gadol avonim so. I read it as a statement before in verse 13. My sin is too great to bear. Cain is saying, you can't punish me by making me a ceaseless wanderer. 
Somebody will kill me. But there's a second way to read it. Of course, the word Niso, which has been so central in this story, because we had the idea of raising this Nosei is Nosei Avon Vapesha, that God bears our sins. In this one, Kain turns around to says and says, Kain turns around to God and says, Gadol Avonim Inso, is my sin too large to be forgiven? In other words, Cain is looking for Teshuva. And these are two alternate readings brought by the Midrash Rabbah. Is Cain there to trick God or is he sincere? And we will continue with these two different lines of understanding in the rest of the chapter. And we will leave it here for today. See you next time. Thank you.